Good morning to you, church. Let's uh, take our Bibles and go to John's Gospel, chapter 14. If you would, John, and chapter number 14, I am so excited about the message today. Uh, It's been a great week, and I'm looking forward to this coming week, and always look forward to Sunday. I I do want to encourage you, some of you I know are allergic to online registration, okay? I get it. I get it. It's a thing. We do have, of course, Brad and Glennis are willing to help you here after the service. But I realize this is a big step for some of you. And so here's another way you can do this. You can actually reach in that seat back pocket in front of you. There's a connection card. Also a nice little pen there. You can even use that pen. You can even take that pen if you want. And and this is so simple. All you got to do is write your name. Okay, and just write connection group, and then we'll reach out to you and help you walk through that if you need to. But uh, I I realize that this is a big challenge, okay? Uh, You can also get the Church Center app for all of you that are tech savvy, or uh, and even if you're not tech savvy, it's really not that difficult. And and these people walk you through. We've got seven different, actually eight different small group opportunities beginning the week of Easter. Two of them are meeting here on the campus on Sundays. The other six of them are in community homes, uh, likely somewhere in the vicinity of your home, so that you don't have to make it all the way in uh, for Wednesday night Bible study. You can go somewhere right there in your community, and and, and we try to make that convenient for folks. There's one on the west side, there's one in Mandarin, there's several here in Arlington and, and other parts of the community. And so we are looking forward to connecting with you. Remember, the church gathers for worship, but we scatter in community. And so that's a good way for you to get connected with the group there. I hope you will. And that's just going to be absolutely incredible. And I, I hope you'll take the opportunity uh, to do that. Also, next Sunday, uh, we are having a new member orientation at 9.30, or, yeah, 9.30, and it's going to be in my office, Lord willing. If you're interested in that, you're interested in membership, you just want to connect with me and get to know a little bit more about our church, again, take one of those connection cards and just put new members or something on there, and that way we will add you to the list to visit with us next Sunday uh, at 9.30 before this hour. If you have children, of course, there's child care in the Sunday school hour, and, and everything's taken care of there, and I certainly look forward to uh, greeting you and being a part of that. Also, I want to say before I get into the message, thank you for everybody who made last Sunday so special for my wife. It really was special. She got home and uh, she was she was just uh, going through all that stuff. And she, she sent this to me in a text later because I was flying out of town. She said, this is the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. And so we really appreciate it. It meant a lot to her. And so thank you for loving on her and, uh, and really helping us just have a little extra wind in the sails to keep on going for the Lord. All right, John 14. Uh, we're in the upper room discourse. This entire message, which is John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, five chapters of the Bible, all takes place in the upper room as the Lord had just celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples. After he celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples, he then goes into this five-chapter-long sermon. And we are breaking it up by chapter. Last week we looked at Jesus' message and example on what it means to be a servant. And now I want to just read the first six verses of John 14 that I think will set the tone for the next section of the sermon. Notice in verse four, chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's stop there. This is God's word. The sermon this morning is titled, Let Not Your Hearts Be Troubled. Let Not Your Hearts Be Troubled. Recently, a junior on Iowa Hawkeyes basketball team announced that he was taking an indefinite leave of absence from the team as he battles clinical anxiety. He says, I quote, I have been battling anxiety for a while and recently it has peaked, which has inhibited my preparation and performance on the court. It's not fair to myself or my teammates to be on the court when I'm not myself. The anxiety has affected my sleep, my appetite, my stamina, which has resulted in not having the energy level necessary to complete, uh, compete at my full uh, capabilities. My struggle with anxiety affects every aspect of my well-being and makes it incredibly difficult to function normally. Since COVID, it is estimated that over 30% of Americans battle and have been medically treated for anxiety. And there's five major categories of anxiety. I'm not here to be a psychologist today, but they range from uh, uh, post-traumatic stress syndromes to general anxieties to social anxieties and the fear of being around others. In fact, what's been more frightening in the last two years is that the rise in child anxiety has been far worse and inflated than even adult anxiety. For instance, between March of 2020 and October of 2020, CDC data shows that mental health-related emergency room visits rose by 31% in children ages 12 to 17 and 24% in children ages uh, two, or 5 to 11 compared to the prior year. Think about that. Now, when, when, a, when, a, when a parent takes a child to an emergency room, for an anxiety issue, it's likely related to the fact that it's nearly impossible to get in to see a, psych, uh, a, a psychologist doctor. In fact, uh, it is estimated that for every 100,000 children in America, there are only 14 child psychologists. Just let that sink in. Um, many people believe, as I do, that, that COVID did not change our world as much as it did expose our world. Meaning what was already inside of people was made dramatic because of all of the things that were taken away from us and all the external pressures led to all of this internal reality that people are now wrestling with. Now folks, listen, you don't have to uh, look around you long enough to realize that people are absolutely in a panic. 
People are struggling with anxieties and fears and doubts and struggles and questions and all sorts of pandemics of not just a disease, but a pandemic of negative feelings that is adversely affecting everything from our home lives to our childhood to our marriages to our faithfulness to church and everything in between. May I suggest to you today that a world that is facing a pandemic of anxieties could use an encounter with the Prince of Peace. I'm not here today to suggest to you that all you need to do is pray or all you need to do is read your Bible to overcome whatever you're facing today. I don't believe it's that simple. But I do believe this. I do do believe that a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ certainly should change things for all of us. You and I that have God, we have a relationship with Him. We know Him. We should have hope. Come on, somebody better help me up here. We should have hope. We should have a sense of peace. And we should have a sense of direction in our lives that regardless of what we're going through, regardless of how we may be feeling, we at least have hope in God. We find in Matthew chapter, excuse me, John chapter 14, a really interesting passage. I was telling our prayer group this morning that, uh, that I've already preached through John uh, in this church. And so in some ways I'm able to go back and kind of refresh myself of what I've already uh, preached through. But when I, when I opened up my sermon notes for John chapter 14, immediately I knew that that was not the direction that this sermon was supposed to go. And so I kind of stopped and I just went back and started rethinking some things and looking through the text. And I noticed, of course, everybody's familiar with John chapter 14 and verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. But interestingly enough, when you go to the end of the chapter, verse number 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Watch this. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so I've never noticed that before, that twice in the same text, the exact same phrase is used almost like bookends on a message. So we got to ask ourselves a question, what is going on here? What precipitated Jesus twice in the same chapter saying, do not let your heart be troubled? Well, if you back up into chapter 13, almost kind of what I ended with last week, and notice uh, verse number 18, the Bible begins to tell us in verses 18 through 30 that, that Judas was revealed as the betrayer. Now, this is more pronounced in Luke's gospel, Matthew's gospel, to be sure. But John gives us just a little snippet here of what he expands on in the other gospels. I mean, here's one of the 12 that has just just been told to the other disciples that he is going to literally betray Christ. Of course, uh, here in just a few hours, he is actually going to do that. And to make matters worse, when you look down at verse number 36, it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me here afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, folks, listen, that is like a left jab, or excuse me, a right jab and a left hook from Mike Tyson in the same chapter. Okay, Judas is a betrayer, one of the twelve is walking out on the faith, one of the twelve is literally going to turn Jesus into Roman authorities this very night, and then a breath later he says, and the leader of you, Jane, or Peter, is going to deny me three times before this night is over. Now I gotta tell you, you can almost feel the, 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 the air let right out of the room here. Judas is gone. Peter is going to deny Christ, uh, maybe like this, what chance do we have to make it? 
What hope are we going to have here that it's going to be okay with us? Our world is falling apart. And in that context, Jesus says these words that are hallmark card worthy. Let not your heart be troubled. Folks, the word trouble here means to cause inward commotion. It means to take away someone's calmness of mind. It means to disturb in the soul. It means to be disquieted. It means to make restless. It means to render anxious or distress. Or like some of you felt all day last week or all week this week. Your mind flooded with trouble. Unable to sleep. Unable to cope. Unable to deal with the regular rhythms that come into your life. Because your mind is always out here on something that's zapped your energy, that's sapped your spiritual fortitude that literally has taken away the peace inside of your heart. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus says we do not have to live with inward commotion. We do not have to live in a way, a place where our inward person is completely disturbed. We do not have to live in restlessness or anxiousness or distress. Because in John chapter number 14, Jesus is going to give us three ways in which the Lord Jesus brings peace to any circumstance of chaos. Notice number one, if you will please, God gives his promises to those who are troubled. God gives his promises to those who are troubled. Now, verses one through six give us three really awesome promises to anybody who is struggling in this life. You ready for them? These are really great, okay? He gives us, first of all, the promise of heaven. He gives us, secondly, the promise of his coming. And he gives us, thirdly, the promise that he is the way to both of the above. Boy, somebody better be listening to me today. In in all of the trouble and chaos that you may be going through, whatever it is, however challenging or difficult your life may be right now, however, however hard your back is up against the wall, you're up against the ropes, you're struggling, you're, you're trying to figure it all out, you are literally restless in your heart. Day after day, week after week, night after night, year after year, literally just troubled and filled with anxiety. Listen to this very carefully. There is a heaven, Jesus is coming again, and Jesus is the way to all the above. Yeah. Folks, listen. <laughs> Here's the bottom line. It's just a few more days to labor, and then we will be home. Look, I'm not here to minimize how people are feeling, but I am here to maximize something that is coming. So oftentimes, we fix ourselves on what is happening right here in front of our face. Folks, do you realize that that you may live to be 70, you may live to be 80, but you're going to live somewhere forever. And the Bible talks about us weighing this out in our minds. It talks about our light affliction, which works in us a far exceeding weight of glory. Now, folks, you can literally let your circumstances destroy the life that God gave you here. Or you can understand that God is going to allow me to suffer. There is going to be a struggle. This life is not going to be easy. It is going to be a bit of a wrestling match. It is going to be difficult. But here's what God says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me? You believe also in God? In my Father's house are many mansions. One day you are going home. It's a promise. It's a promise to a child of God. 
Not only is it a promise of heaven, it is a promise of his coming. If Christ descended or ascended to go to prepare us a place called heaven, he says also, if, verse 3, I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Not only is he promising us heaven, he is also promising us this fact, that he is going to return one day, and he's going to scoop us out of this world, and he's going to take us with him so that where he is, we get to be with him forever. That's a promise. The promise is if he left and if he went to heaven, he's coming back to receive us so that we can be with him forever. Now, lest there's any confusion in the room about what heaven is about, about what the future is about, Jesus is about to clear it up. Thomas says, he speaks up and says, hey, Lord, look, we don't really know where you're going. We, we, we're not even sure that we quite grasp what you're talking about right now. But we don't, we don't know where you're going. And, then, and because we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? And Jesus is going to give a clear answer. An answer, I fear, needs to be clarified over and over again, even in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where people can get confused by watching too much news. They can get confused by listening to preachers or teachers that are wobbling on on, on realities in the Bible. People that can sometimes get confused. I mean, in a world that is filled with choices, how come your choice is better than mine? In a world that that is filled with with, with every kind of religious belief and every kind of backward thinking or whatever. Listen, I want to I just want to remind us all this morning, there is only one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one way to heaven, not many ways, only one way to heaven, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to get there because you get baptized. You're not going to get there because you're a good person. You're not going to get there because you come to church. You're not going to get there because you give money. There's only one way to God, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've got to believe in him. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. Look. I have lived on both sides, literally, I have lived on both ends of Interstate 10. When I moved here to Florida, I literally drove the entire thing. I've actually done that three or four times in my life. Interstate 10 begins uh, over in, well, I guess depending on how you look at it. It either begins in uh, Los Angeles, California, or it begins in Jacksonville, Florida. Whichever way you want. We were going to say it begins in Jacksonville. Somebody say amen right there. It begins in Jacksonville right here in downtown. You start heading west on your state 10, driving across the Panhandle, one of the worst drives in America. That is until, <laughs> until you think that's bad. Wait till you get west of San Antonio and get into West Texas. It's even worse, believe it or not. So you start driving west uh, all the way across, of course, Alabama and, and Mississippi and Louisiana and get into Texas and hit Houston on one side and, and El Paso on the other side and go all the way through New Mexico, across the border into Arizona, Tucson, go across uh, uh, to, uh, what's next, Phoenix and then into California and all the way out to the Santa Monica Pier, okay? And then you turn back around and you can do the same thing backwards the other way. I've done it multiple times. Here's the thing, you can ride on Interstate 10 forever, and you're never going to end up in New York City. There is a way to New York City. It is not Interstate 10. And folks, listen, the analogy obviously breaks down somewhere, but the bottom line is this. There's only one way to heaven. The Lord Jesus. 
And if you're going to get to heaven, you better make sure you are on the right road because only one road leads to that destination. We have a promise of heaven. We have a promise of his return. Then we have a promise of his way. How do we endure difficulties? How do we endure trouble in our heart? We look forward to everything that God has promised us in his word about what he has for us in our future. Number two, how do we have peace in the midst of trouble and difficult times? I'd say secondly, God promises to give us his presence to everyone who is troubled. Now watch this. Watch this. I'm going to skip down to verse number uh, 15. And I'm just trying to give you a bird's eye view today. Look at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Really beginning in verse 15 all the way down, uh, really through almost the end of the chapter, Christ is going to turn his attention to this helper. When I say God gives his promises to those who need peace, and secondly, God promises his presence uh, to those who need his peace, what I'm saying to you is that Christ made his apostles another promise based upon the fact that he was going to be leaving and going to heaven one day. And what was that? He was going to send to his apostles another helper. In fact, in John 14 and verse 26, he names him by name. In verse 26, he says here, he says, uh, but the, the helper, comma, the Holy Spirit, comma, meaning this is who the helper is, whom the Father will send in my name. John 15, 26, he says it again. But when the helper is come, whom I shall send to you from the Father. Then in John 16, 7, same sermon, John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I will tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. This helper must be very significant, right? The helper is going to reside with his people permanently and eternally from the moment that Jesus Christ ascended. He is going to literally baptize his disciples in the presence, in the what we would call the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, go back, if you will, uh, to the verse I started with in verse uh, number 15. And I want you to see this, or verse 16. And, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Underscore that word another there. There's two different times the word another is translated in the Greek New Testament, and they actually mean the opposite. Uh, in fact, uh, one means another of a different kind. Uh, another, the other word means another of the same kind. So let me give you an example of this. In Galatians chapter number one, uh, Paul says, I marvel that you have so, been so soon removed to another gospel, which is not another well, how about that? Well, he uses two different Greek words there. He says, I marvel that you have moved so quickly to another gospel, another of the different kind, to another, or which is not another, that is another of the same kind. So the one that is different in that case is not the same. There is no such thing as another gospel. But now in this context, he uses the Greek word another of the same kind. I'm going to send you another helper. 
another of the same kind. Once again here, we find the Lord Jesus accentuating the fact that there is not just God the Son, and in this case, not just God the Father, but also God the Spirit. It's another statement of the Trinity. Listen very carefully. The Holy Spirit of the living God is as much God as Jesus Christ is God, is as much God as God the Father is God. And mark it down. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit replacing. Jesus. No, 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 no. No, the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Father have always been God. They are eternally God. They are eternally equally God. So you got to watch that. That's a dangerous doctrine to say the Holy, the, that when Jesus left, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit became God and took his place. No, no, no. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit's always been God. But in the case of the church and its ongoing ministry, it was going to be the Holy Spirit that... W- The Holy Spirit that was going to reside with his people just like Jesus had resided with them the previous three years. And as Jesus' feet were going to be lifted off this earth in just a few hours and he was going to be taken up into heaven and his physical presence was no longer going to be with his disciples. He said, don't you worry about that. I'm going to make sure that God's presence will always be with his people. Isn't that encouraging today? How can you live in a troubled time? How can you live in a chaotic world? Here's the answer. God's presence is always with his people. Pretty simple, huh? John MacArthur said, no one in any era of redemptive history could be saved, sanctified, empowered for service or witness, guided in understanding the truth, or praying in the will of God apart from the Spirit's internal work through the Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, without the Spirit of God we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind and chariots without steeds. Like branches without sap we are withered. Like coals without fire we are useless. As an offering without the sacrificial flame we are unaccepted. Church, I wish I had more time today to to highlight and accentuate the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life. But believe me, it is imperative that you understand that the presence of God is with you. Because when you got saved, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your heart. You are the temple of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. There's never a time, there's never a night, there's never a darkness, there's never a trouble that you're ever going to have to walk through alone because God himself is always with you if you're his child. Always. Always. The Holy Spirit provides the personal and permanent presence of God with us. Matthew chapter 28 verse 20 says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He will always be with you. And not only that, the Holy Spirit's ministry among us in part. Now, I don't have time to dissect the entirety of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But let me say one thing about it today. The Holy Spirit exists for you in part. To help you in your weakness. Boy, some of y'all need to let that word just kind of settle in on your heart for just a second. The helper. The helper. You know what the Greek word is? Para is the first word. Kaleo. Para with, alongside of. Para church ministries come alongside of people. Okay, the word para means alongside of or with. Kaleo, the Greek word, the verb means to call. What is the Holy Spirit's ministry to the child of God? 
to call you alongside of him. Well, somebody better say amen. What it basically means is this. God will just reach out when you need it, and he'll just squeeze a big old hug on you. And if you need more encouragement to that, you're not going to find it in this church. If you need more encouragement, then God himself will snuggle down beside of you and reach his eternal and omnipotent arms around you and squeeze you in for a hug and help you along the way of whatever you're journeying through, then you're not going to get help you need in this church. Because I'm here to tell you, there have been times when I have cried out and struggled and wrestled and worried and literally about tore myself up until I remembered and realized that God God himself was with me to help me immediately through whatever I needed by being right there and having his arms wrapped around me as I walked through the valley. Romans 8, 26, likewise the Spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. (laughs) You know, I think God is more attracted to your mumblings and groanings than he is with your finest prayers. You ever been there? You don't even really know what to say, you just kind of groan it out. Sometimes the best prayer times you'll ever have in your life, you're not saying anything. I've learned this in the last couple years specifically. I've learned how to just go and sit in silence and let the Holy Spirit minister to me, minister for me, minister in me, and then minister through me. You don't always have to talk. You don't always have to tell God something. You don't think God already knows? You don't always have to mumble through it, and you certainly don't have to pray in these and thou's, thank God. And you certainly don't have to say anything special or specific. You can come like a child with a need, and even if you can't express it, he already knows it. And he's going to take your mumbled up, jacked up prayers, and he's going to modify them before the throne of God because you might not even pray for something you should be praying for because you don't even know what you need. But hey, just coming to him and saying, I'm getting help from you in your presence. And the Spirit will take your prayer and make sense of it before God. Because half the time, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be praying about. I'm glad for this help. I'm glad that he comes that way. Let me give you a final thought. God gives his promises to those who are troubled. God gives his presence to those who are troubled. And finally, God gives his peace to those who are troubled. Look back here at the end of the text in verse number 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. I went and saw the Jesus Revolution last night. I hope you will take a chance to go see it. It's awesome. Have you already seen it? Anybody already seen it? Listen, you need to go see it today if you can. Very, very good. And me and Adrian and Brent went last night, and, and I, there's so much I could say about it. But one thing that struck me was, was the emphasis, particularly in the first part, of how in that day, I, I, didn't, I never made this connection. I wasn't obviously alive during that time. But how that the drug culture, the psychedelic culture, the, the, the use of LSD and all those sort of things was, was directly connected to, to a spiritual search. 
and that's kind of the kind of the kind of the the, the first part. Really, really, really part of the movie that just kind of intertwines in the whole thing is this: the world tries to medicate what only Jesus can take care of. You say that? I'm giving you peace the world can't give you. That's why you'll find people, even maybe even in this room, you've got more money than you need and you're still not happy. Because you've been told your whole life money's going to do it. And lo and behold, God's got something that the largest checkbook in this world does not have. And some people have been told that alcohol is going to do it. Friend, listen very carefully. Alcohol is not going to take away your problems. In some cases, it's going to make them worse. And drugs are not going to take care of your problems, no matter what the source of them is. It's not going to fix what you need fixed on the inside. Jesus gives peace that nothing else can give. Another relationship's not going to give you peace. A nicer car's not going to give you peace. A better job's not going to give you peace. That's how the world medicates the, the problem inside of your heart. Here's what Jesus says. I've got something the world can't give you. And let me, give you how, let me tell you how he does this real quick and I'm done. He does this, first of all, because there is peace with God. Listen to this, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize, if you are not a Christian, please listen very carefully to what I'm getting ready to say. Let it sink in. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me, let me explain to you what's at stake here. You are at war with God. And you're on the wrong side of war. The Bible is very clear that he that believeth not is condemned already. The judgment of God, the fury of God against his enemies is set on those who have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you literally are at war. But thankfully, the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The only way to get out of this war is to have the Lord Jesus Christ step in your place and take God's wrath and punishment for you. And that's what he did on Calvary. And the minute you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are, you are one with him. You are united with him. You are in Christ. And therefore... The wrath of God no longer abides in someone who's in Christ. So number one, there's peace with God. But number two, there's the peace of God. There's a difference. You can have peace with God, meaning you're a Christian. You're not going to have to face his judgment. But sadly to say, some maybe even in this room still do not have the peace of God. This is why Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's a great question, isn't it? What is ruling in your heart today? What would you say is the predominant characteristic ruling your heart? Like the one that is there, the one that is in charge. Fear. Worry. Anger. Bitterness. Or is it the peace of God? 
Isaiah 26 verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. Philippians 4 verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Watch this. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man, I'm thankful for a peace that people could not understand or explain outside of the person of God. Why do you have peace in the most difficult and awful of circumstances in your life? You have peace because the Lord Jesus has taken over your heart. The Spirit of God has filled you with this fruit called peace. And then peace stands like a soldier on your heart, guarding you against anxiety and fear because peace is now ruling in your life. And here's the thing. Uh, 2 Thessalonians says, Now may the God of peace give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Be at peace among yourselves, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people. You see, sometimes a lack of peace comes relationally. Your, pe- your problem with peace is not just your own anxiousness, you could be having peace taken away from you because of a relationship. And you've let a person destroy your peace. You've let a brokenness in your past take away every peace that you've had. You literally have let somebody else determine how at peace you are. Listen, you can give that to somebody if you want to, or you can give that to Christ. That's your choice. Folks, listen, life is too short. I'm not going to let somebody else determine what I do with the rest of my life. Some of you live there. You live as somebody who has been hurt. And instead of living the victorious Christian life, you've chosen to live the victim. The victim. As if someone else in your life has the capability to steal everything away from you that you've ever had. Friend, do not let somebody else take your joy. Don't let somebody else take your peace. Don't let somebody else keep you from loving others. Don't let somebody else have the authority in your life to steal from you what God, the Lord Jesus Christ, can give to you. Don't do that. I heard a story years ago of a missionary that reached out to a cannibalistic tribe in Papua New Guinea. Don and Carol Richardson went there in 1962. They were kind of discouraged after several attempts to make ends with these particular groups of people, only to find that their efforts were made worse because the tribes that showed interest in them were rivaling tribes. And so all of a sudden now, they've got an essential civil war on their front steps. Not only can they not reach these people, now they're dealing with this extra pressure. So Don decided to leave. He shared it individually with the two tribes he was going to leave. The men said, I quote, if you will stay, we promise we will make peace in the morning. The next morning, the Richardsons woke up to the most amazing ritual they had ever witnessed. The ritual was called in those uh, tribes the peace child. And so as they woke up and beheld this right out their front door... He noticed that a man from one side ran out of his hut with a newborn baby in his arms. 
sprung across the barrier between the two tribes. His wife chasing him out of the hut, screaming, pleading with him no. But finally, the man ran over, handed the newborn baby to the tribe, and said these words, plead the peace child for me. I give you my son, therefore I give you my name. And moments later, one sprung out of another hut from the other group and ran across in the opposite direction. Same exact scene. Brought the peace child over to the army or to the, to the tribe that just gave the peace child to the other tribe. And they said this was a ceremony that as long as the child in the peace ceremony lived, it would give peace between the tribes. The peace child. Several years later on Christmas Day, hundreds of Christians from those tribes gathered together with Don and his wife at Christmas time. And one of those men who had later become a preacher stood up in the midst of them and he read Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 that read these words, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he realized in that moment that what had actually taken place in that moment was a child brought peace where otherwise no peace could be brought, and therefore the Lord Jesus could be made magnified in both of those tribes because that's exactly who Jesus was, wasn't it? Jesus was the child that was given between two parties that were hostile one toward another. And the child was offered as the peace child. And wherever there is Jesus, there is peace. And as long as there is Jesus, there can always be peace. Let's pray. Listen, friend, you may be here today may have no peace with God in your life. None. You may be sitting here and say, I have no idea if I were to die today that I'd be on my way to heaven. I have no peace about that. No assurance. None. You can know that today. Friend, you don't have to spend one more day of your life, one more minute of your life, thinking, I'm not right with God. I don't have peace with God. I don't know where I'm going when I die. Thomas said, how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can know right here, right now, as sure as I'm standing here, as sure as you're sitting in your seat, as sure as you can spell your own first name, I can have peace with God through Jesus. The Bible makes it very clear how that happens. It's by faith. It's by calling on Jesus by faith claiming him as the savior of your life today right where you are you can say Jesus I need you I need to accept you and follow you and if you're here today and you've never done that but you'd like to do that let me encourage you right here right now to follow what the Bible says whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved it's a promise if you've never done that I'm going to invite you to do it right here right now right in your seat it's a promise. You pray and receive Jesus by faith as your Savior, and you can be born again. You can be saved. Right there in the quietness of your seat, would you just lift up your heart and pray these words. Now, this prayer won't save you. I can't save you. Jesus can. 
But you can form these words in your mind and heart or say them out to the Lord right where you are. If you obey God and you believe what he says, you can be saved right now. Just simply say in your heart or out loud, Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I do not deserve heaven. And I know in my sins, I'll die and go to hell. But I believe in Jesus. I believe he died. And he rose again the third day. And he is the son of God. Today, I accept you as my only Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Help me never to be ashamed of you. Is there anybody here today who would say, Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. I meant it. I'm glad I did. I thank God for this. I just accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior just now. Right now, I just did that. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand so I could see you? Anybody like that? Preacher, that's me. I did that. I made that prayer. Prayed it to God. Glad that I did. Anybody like that at all? Just lift your hand right up and then right back down. Okay, good. 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 I wonder how many of you say, Preacher, I needed that today. No doubt about it. There have been some things troubling me. And I need God's peace. And I want to pray about that today. And I'd like you to pray for me. Anybody like that? Just hold your hand up. God spoke to me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. I want to invite you to come to the altar today and speak to God. Somebody might come and pray with you, but let's do business with God. Would you come right now? Let's all stand if we could as Melissa plays the piano. If the Lord's speaking to you, just come. Just come and pray about that right now. Something on your heart, something that God's speaking to you about. Just come. Take a moment. Pray about that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, come and pray with those that have come. Would you do that? we got some folks on our prayer team. If you're on that prayer team and you want to come right now, pray with somebody about whatever needs going on in their heart. They may not even share it with you. That's okay. Just pray with them about the burden that they're carrying. Would you do that? Let's do that. Let's do that. The Lord's speaking to you. Come on, if he... Let's put somebody on your heart here. Go ahead and come and pray with them. 